can't see it, but I'm watching it. Hello, everybody, <laughs> and welcome along to this Italian football podcast brought to you by Total-Italianfootball.com to talk about match day 35 of this Serie A season. It's so nearly done, and I so can't wait. Another person who's very much looking forward to the end of the campaign is you and Burns. Burnsy, how are you, other than tired? Oh, that's my whole personality. That's how else am I meant to be, other than tired and looking forward to the end of the season? <laughs> You're not enjoying it anymore. Uh, there's good elements, but I think the last interesting part of it may have died this weekend. I so. don't. I I think I'm officially not enjoying it anymore. I was <laughs> I was enjoying it until about three weeks ago. Then I just started thinking. I could do with it finishing now. And now I'm thinking it's a hassle. Like it's a genuine hassle. We've also got Kev Pugzalski. Speaking of hassles in my life, Kev, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'll, I'll do my best to not be a hassle tonight if it, if it helps. If this is your best, Kev. <laughs> Yeah. Well, <sighs> you know, I'm, I'm all right. Right. Good. <laughs> Great energy you've got. We're really selling it somewhere. Well, there's been some good goals this week, actually. That's kept me slightly interested in Syria. The only goal I can think of in my head right now is Antonio Contreras. What other goals? Oh, Lukaku got a belt. Lukaku was the only one I could think of. Esposito's free kick was quite nice. Yes, yes. Had a nice up and down curl on it. Esposito's goal was good. Oh, Jolie. Shut up for a minute. We need to introduce Vito Doria. Vito, thank you for getting up nice and early. How are you? I'm all right. I'm still missing my morning coffee, though. I had to get up and set up right away. Oh, no. Well, I would urge you to go and make that, and we we could chat amongst ourselves until you come back with your coffee, because that is a necessity at the start of a morning for me. Unless you're a pervert that needs 15 minutes to make it in some (laughs) weird way. (laughs) No, no, no. You could talk about you there, and uh, I'll be back once that's done. (laughs) <laughs> that's yeah. not a bad sounds idea like a plan. <laughs> yeah. that sounds like a, th- a good idea but what we, what I think we should start with is in a weird way a, a, a team who haven't played yet this weekend because we haven't been all together Vito since Sampdoria's relegation to Serie B was confirmed it happened last Monday night you guys recorded without me on Sunday I believe but it's it's done. Samper down in Serie B. It's it's been a long time coming. I don't know if that makes it easier to to swallow than if it came as a bit of a surprise. But how are things now that Samp have been kicked out of Serie A? Mm. Personally, I'm just sort of glad that it's confirmed because it was just dragging on for so long, and the idea of something out of Serie A just had that great tinge of inevitability about it so uh, instead of just having this false hope of a miracle at least now we know that next season some will at least be in Serie B sadly because of the ownership situation worse could be still to come and it does seem like that the club could possibly be going bankrupt so even though Sump's time in Serie A has come to a close, now it's just the waiting process to see if the club does indeed go bankrupt and have to start as low as Serie D. Kev, you're a horrible man who was willing Sump's relegation last season. Are you delighted to see them go down? I don't know if I was willing Sump's relegation last season. You were a couple of pints um, in at the derby. 
Oh yeah, I was, oh actually yeah, I was I was willing both of them to go down for some reason. I thought I, thought I was being sort of um, lined up as the the villain, <laughs> yeah, the Genoa villain to veto Sampdoria. Um, yeah, they were they've been probably woeful for two seasons now. It's like usually in these circumstances, it's it can be a good thing if it allows a club to sort of review what they've got and you know get out some dead wood because people like naturally leave for you know to, to maintain wages elsewhere but from what Vito's saying it's you know it it could get really really bad really really quickly for Sampant as one of the sides that probably was why I got into Italian football you know back in the 90s because Des Walker went there and and David Platt had a era there which sort of got TV broadcasters over there to follow the league it would it is a shame to see sort of you know the how how far they've fallen. It is a real shame. It is a real shame. But you've got extra reasons to be a bit annoyed because obviously Genoa are on their way back up, which means we're going to have another season without a Derby Della Lanterna. And you've just published a book about same city derbies in which the Derby Della Lanterna is one of two Italian games. So on the plus side, though, I've done it, so I don't have to do it for the next book. So I've got it. It's not on the cover, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, it was well. Originally, the publisher gave me a, gave me a version with the Milan derby, which I didn't even cover in the book. So, you know, hey ho. I don't know if we can say this. Yeah, there, there was one with the Lecce player, and then there was one of like Samp Cagliari or something, wasn't there? <laughs> it was Samp Lecce. Yeah. But, uh, or, yeah, oh yeah, it was Lecce or Benevento. It was someone. It was some, It was someone very far away from Genoa. Um, <laughs> there you go. There you go. I think we should probably get on with the match day thirty-five action, shall we? We will still be again missing out on Sampdoria. They play on Monday against Empoli, but there have been nine of the ten games played already. It kicked off on Friday. Lazio beat, or no, they didn't. Famously, Lazio drew two-two with Lecce at the Olimpico. And then on Saturday, we had Serenitana winning late on 1-0 against Atalanta. Spezia beat Milan 2-0. That Salvatore Esposito goal, as Kev has already mentioned, was was a beauty to, to seal the points for the Aquilotti there. And then Inter beat Sassuolo 4-2 in a game that probably finished a little bit more... In more of an edgier manner than most of the game suggested it would. On Sunday, Verona lost 1-0 to Torino. Monza beat Napoli 2-0, and that would have been a shock a month ago, but now Napoli are on the beach, and they've had some funny results even before wrapping up the title, so not so much. Fiorentina beat Udinese 2-0, both had red cards shown. Bologna-Roma was a contender for the worst game of the season that finished goalless at the Dallara, and then Juventus beat Cremonese 2-0 in possibly the most predictable result of the match day. Uh... Where should we start? I, th- I think we should probably go straight to Liguria. We'll stay there, straight to the coast, a little bit further down, though. Spezia beating Milan 2-0. Burnsy, I didn't see this coming. I-, I wouldn't have been shocked to see Milan stumble, but for Spezia to win and to win 2-0 is a surprise. Yeah, I mean, this is... That kind of caps off a pretty horrendous week for, for Milan fans because, you know, you, you go into this ginormous game against Inter and, you know, obviously you want to win, but what you really want to do is not sort of 
get embarrassed or anything and it, it very nearly became an embarrassing game for them and it, it's one that is going to be incredibly hard to come back from in that second leg and then you think all right well if we had to pick a fixture to have after it Spezia is one of the handful of teams that you'd probably ideally like to play um and they were just bad again but they're, they're, they're just they, they seem to be so odd in the league at the moment they're, they're basically doing what Inter were doing up until this good run of form that Inter are now on um but there isn't enough time in the season for them to be doing this now like this is when you have to like in the situation they're in the way the top four fight is you cannot go away to a Spezia team that are in the bottom three and lose two nil it's just it's very bad and you know players someone someone that I've really want to give patience to and stuff but again looked really bad when they were on was uh Charles de Kessler. like you'd think you know he's not meant to turn up and be a massive success in his first season but there's there's not been anything like there's not been one thing that you can really hold up and go you know there was the glimpse of what he should be doing um and he you know he just looked lost again and it, you know he's one of many who look lost and I think Milan's season is a very weird one to look at because if they go out in the Champions League now, which they you, you would assume they will, um, it, it could it could suddenly actually look like quite a, a really bad season if you take away a pleasant run in the Champions League. I think for any league's champions to be fifth with three match days left and for being four points outside the top four, Vito... It's fair to say that domestically Milan have had a really bad season. Oh, indeed. And especially some of the performances this season, they really haven't looked like a defending champion. It's made the... it In a way, it's like it's taken away a bit from the great things they did last season. Uh, usually especially with the big three, you'd think the total defences would be quite good, but Milan, they've had quite a poor one. And yeah, this would probably be one of the worst total defences in recent memory if they don't qualify for the Champions League. There were a couple of bad ones in the 80s, like Juve after the 83-84 season, they won the total. They did win the European Cup, but they finished sixth in Serie A. And then Verona, when they won that historic Scudetto in 84-85, they finished as low as 10th. So there have been some bad ones. But for a club of Milan's stature, uh, this is not good at all. Did you see the bit uh, at the end of the game where they all sort of went and stood like naughty school children in front of the ultras and got a, a little telling off? And sort of they they were getting they were getting grilled by them. Clearly being told it wasn't it wasn't good enough. And Pioli sort of standing there just sort of he has he had a look on his face as if he wanted to break into a laugh at the sort of the the ridiculousness of the situation because you're you're standing there thinking well yeah we know we've been shit. You know, it's like what do you want us to say to this? And also you've got a few players there where English you know Italian isn't going to be their 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 first language. Divacoli Arigi's behind Pioli looking like he doesn't know what. The, you know what the hell's going on? Because he's like, I have no idea what they're saying, I don't and we think know we need sh- to understand what's being said to get the message there, though, do you? But but I also don't think they need to go over there. It's like we're professionals; we know how big it is losing to our our crosstown rivals in a Champions League semi final. We know this season hasn't been good enough. But 
the, the, the fans also have to take a little bit of responsibility because Milan have done this for the last few, uh, last few years. And we said this last season where Pioli had got more out of this squad than you know what they probably should have if you look at them all individually. And every time Milan sign a player over the last like decade, it's been, this is the one that's going to take us to the title. Or these two will be the final pieces in the jigsaw to get us back into the Champions League. Last year they overachieve, and then this year we have another summer where Charles de Quetelaar is going to be, you know, this whiz kid from Belgium. It's like, look, except that last year was probably a couple of years ahead of where you were in your process of becoming a, a good side, and then you don't have to come and you know drag all the players to the side of the pitch at the end of their game and go, oh, you know, this, you know, this isn't, this isn't. This isn't Juventus sort of four years after winning, you know, consecutive titles and absolutely flopping like Milan have this year. It's Milan after last year, which they just overachieved. I should say that that meeting that you talked about, um, Answer actually reported today that that's been investigated <clears throat> by the FIGC to find out if there was any threatening behaviour, basically from from the Kurvasu towards the players. Um, and then Gazetta did report that that they think there wasn't anything that's actually going to come from that, but uh, it sounded very heated. This happens all the time. Like, yeah. in Italian football, this happens all the time. It happened with, for fuck's sake, Parma have qualified for the playoffs now for the first time in their history. It, it happened with Parma this season where, in a bad run, they get kind of called over to the curva and there's just a bit of a discussion. And it seems more often than not to just be a reminder of you're letting everybody down. You're not just being bad, but we pay to come and watch this rubbish all the time. So I, I think the Ultras are like, in a lot of the ways, they try to go too far and claim power that they don't have. I think it's fair enough, and it's one of the more redeeming things about Italian football, that they're able to have a chat with the players when the form is bad and just be like, come on, guys. I mean, we're Dude, paying to watch this. The irony here is that um, Rafael left Sporting because of yeah. fans invading the training ground and there being a big altercation, that, which is a much more extreme than this. But it is quite funny. Massively <laughs> different. They it would be funny if that happened ground. again. <laughs> I, I I hadn't realised that's why Liao because oh, that was the game that that was a game I covered for my book. Everybody, it's you know, still not I legally left. resolved. Mm. Um, that's part of the contract thing. Is that Sporting a I think I think the way around it is, is that Sporting are suing Lille for like forty five million because Lille picked him up on a free, but Sporting say that he shouldn't have been able to terminate his contract yada yada, and that's been yeah. one of the massive complications in the um, contract stuff with because Patricio ended up at Wolves, didn't he? So that must still mm. be going on with Wolves and uh, Sporting. This is where I think there's a contrast in Italian football culture and say somewhere like in the UK, especially England. I think regardless if the team is good or bad, um, fans in the UK will probably criticise the team, but I think ultimately it's like, you know, we'll give the lads a, a clap and, you know, they'll do better. The lads will lift next week. Whereas in Italy, I think the fans want to have a sense of accountability and the ultras can overstep the line at times, but in some ways it's probably better that the players and the coaching staff come face-to-face -to -face with them, you know, cop the criticism in person, as opposed to what's becoming more common now, just all these keyboard warriors saying stuff online. At least, even though the stuff is bad, at least they're saying it to their faces. 
There's, cer there's certainly a different a different culture in the UK. I remember you, you, you know, I think we've probably all seen the the, the uh, Francesco Totti documentary. And he was talking about when he had his first derby, sort of twenty years ago. You know, I think it was something like you know, the fans would break your balls if if you you know didn't win the derby, but they'd also be there for the from the first week. They used to sit on the wall of the training ground when they when they used to be able to sort of in what would that have been late nineties at, at Roma. But I think now Italian football it's not catching up. But obviously there's there's more professional professional training grounds. It's almost like that that distance between fan and players is increasing in, in Italy. Whereas, you know, even when when English, you know, training grounds and there were teams like Leeds or Wimbledon or whatever, any, any of those teams used to train on almost community, um, you know, playing grounds and things. The fans didn't really yeah. go and watch them where it's always been a thing in Italy. So I think you've got that, you've got that closer, not necessarily a relationship, but there is more of a, you know, you're our team. We will be there all the time. We'll be always watching you. Whereas that hasn't been the case in it, in, in England. I think it, I think it happens more or has happened more in France, you know, where, where you get that sort of level of almost intrusion on training grounds from supporters. Um, and, and I think because of famous for it. Yeah, yeah, but and I, I think more of these sort of training complexes where you know you've got these eight foot walls and you've got big security gates and it's becoming you know becoming less like that. So maybe that's why we might even see more of these instances where post game they're sort of called over to them because they can no longer go and you sort of bang and harass their cars as they're leaving leaving a training ground after a crap result. We are at risk of spending far too long talking about Milan here because this is a result that is more significant at the other end of the table than it is at the top because Spezia looked like they were finding a rotten patch of form at just the wrong time while Verona were also picking up a few points here and there but Verona's loss to Torino and Spezia's win at Milan or against Milan rather sees them both back onto 30 points now and Lecce are just above them on 32. It is those three teams fighting for two survival spots. And Burnsy, I don't want to call it because I think it's impossible to choose two of those teams who will be safe come the end of June, the middle of June. Yeah, what, what's quite fun about it is that now that Spezia have got that win, it's kind of shown that all three of them do... like that. I wouldn't say any of the three of them are like, awful sides like you, you could say that you know this Samp team has been awful Cremonese have been awful up to a, a point where they've been slightly better in the last few weeks or whatever last couple of months um but Lecce, Spezia and Verona have all had yeah. good patches of the season at a time they've shown that you know they can beat good teams which which makes it harder to predict because sometimes in this situation it's basically just a case of can anyone do something other than lose basically for the last few games of the season but they, they can all win at least a game in, in the in the last three, um, which makes it very entertaining. Like I say, I don't, I don't want to pick one. Like part of me wants to say that Lecce will be fine, but it, you know, they're mathematically not. It's, that's not the case. So. I I would very much like for both Spezia and Lecce to survive, um, just because I like Spezia's existence. I like knowing that I can go to a game and then be at in Cinque Terre in like five minutes after getting on a train after the game um but i do just want to point out a quick statistic and turn it into a question for you guys so yeah. fastest fingers please don't hey. 
press any buzzers, just shout your answers. Um, so, in the last four seasons, only two players have scored more direct free kicks than Salvatore Esposito's eight in the top five European countries' top two tiers. Who are those two players? I can tell you the numbers of free kicks they've scored, if you would like. So they could be in any of the five leagues? Yes, so they are either going to be playing in Italy, Spain, England, or Germany. Oh, James, uh, James Ward-Prowse. Yeah. James Ward-Prowse is the highest scoring free kick man with 13 in those four seasons. And the that other... was the banker. Well, the... No, it was actually supposed to work the other way around because the next one's the banker because he's the best player I've ever seen play football. Antonio Contreras. <laughs> Leo Messi. <laughs> Leo Messi scored 10, James Ward-Prowse 13, and Esposito. When's he been doing this then? He was doing it <laughs> I've not noticed game. him do this. And so you think, in his spare time. Famously, time. Remember, Venezia got no, yeah, true. and they didn't exist it's, anymore. It's not there. <laughs> oh. Kill it. <laughs> his his former team actually on the day that he got that goal against Milan Spal got relegated to Serie C alongside Benevento, which I don't like because they were in Serie B or Serie A. Both of those teams far mm. too recently to be in the third tier, and I do like each of them. But we should move on. We should move on. Napoli losing, I don't think we need to talk about it. Juventus winning, being Juventus. I, I do think we should probably spend a bit of time on Inter, though, because this is the other side of this upcoming derby della Madonnina, Euro derby, Champions League, semi-final, second leg, however you want to sell it. And only one of the two teams are in form, Vito. Yes, and uh, Inter picking up the form at the right time. And it also helps that even Lukaku is playing well in the last month. Statistically, he's really improved. And even if at times he might not look like he's being involved in overall play or he looks a bit static, he still finds a way to be decisive. And in those moments where he's on the pitch with Lautaro Martinez, you know, it just feels that the Lula combination is back. It's like uh, Lukaku didn't go away and they just seem to have an almost telepathic understanding. But against Asuolo, this was definitely about Big Rom and his two goals. Big Rom. He's back, isn't he, Bernsey? Yes, he is back. <laughs> that was a quick funny. throw, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm, I'm busy um, trying to help Kev with something. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... It's it's one of them. You look at Inter right now, and you know, their fans would be very much forgiven for thinking, oh, "I kind of wish we could go back in time slightly and have this lot playing like this the whole season." Because then you you know you, you could have, you have a title race on your hands then because you know we simply didn't have one. Um, and I know that could sound slightly short sighted because you know it's six seven games or whatever, but you know they look really good. Um, and they just like they did against Milan in that game. They, they when when Inter are on it, they just look physically bigger and faster than everyone. Um, they've got a lot of players who are very athletic, and w- when things are going right for them, players like Bastoni, Brozovic, um, you know, Lukaku, even Lautaro is. You know, I know he's short, but he's very strong and he's quick. There's just loads of players in that team who are so sort of physically impressive. And when they start getting the movement with the ball right, and players are sticking it in the net, and someone like Lukaku is scoring goals like one of the ones I mean both were impressive but one particular was really good it they just look like a brilliant brilliant team and 
you'd find it very very hard to bet against them now it's still quite tight points wise for the you know the fight but they could genuinely end up finishing second at this rate which is a bit mad I was that his little thing? I, I think I saw that but without I wasn't able to put the sound on when, when I saw it. <laughs> I love it. He's, his confidence is back. Like after the match he was doing the, the press duties with the zone and he just said, I'm him. Capisci? <laughs> it's so good. He's got so much confidence again, and it's good to say it's such a pity that his his future is so up in the air again, because I really do want him to stay at Inter, I love having him in Serie A and I just I like seeing him happy and he's clearly happy in, in Italy, specifically at Inter in Milan, so I do hope he sticks about, but Kev, this wasn't always guaranteed to end this way, because Domenico Berardi thought he'd put Sassuolo up early on, but Loriente had been offside earlier in the move, and then Inter just kind of took over, Lukaku scored that belter Tresoldi put into his own goal, then Martinez made it three, and it looked like it was just going to be a, a, a training exercise for Inter. But then Mateo Enrique and Davide Fratesi pulled back goals for Sassuolo, and it looked like it was going to be a really interesting ending. So it's it's hard to read too much into this game one way or the other. The only thing I'm finding in this is the Lukaku angle. Well, yeah, there was there was a couple of things that jumped out at me. It was the, the own goal. Uh, for goal, some reason, it was, yeah. But as soon as I saw it go in, I instantly assumed it was Chiriches, and he doesn't even play for him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's like that. No, it must be him. Surely he's done that. And then <laughs> and then when Fratesi scored, it, it, I thought it feels like every other week he's scoring a header at after San like Zero, a, right? a, per, a per, per, perfectly timed run into the box. So you know, I've, I've got to kind of try and dig that out and work out if he's particularly good at those sort of late runs and and headers. He's good at but late yeah, runs. You know, I'm not so sure about the headed thing, but that is his, he's excellent at arriving in the box at that time. But you know, you and you mentioned the, the first goal. I think is the one he was sort of more impressed with was like how he howled off the defender and managed to sort of jockeying back for what felt like 25 yards before then turning and smashing a shot in was obviously the big story but you know they just bossed them and, and it, it, it I suppose it it was significant how well they've sort of managed these last few games you know from the Benfica from from winning in Portugal and then sort of getting back on track in Syria because I think they were I think they're sort of four wins from five I think they had a, a, a slight blip but the fact that they're doing that and managing their squad, and they have got, you know, let's face it, we all saw what they had on the bench and what Milan had on the bench for the Champions League first leg uh, in midweek. They, they, they probably were. They had the tools to do that, but they, you know, Inzaghi needs a bit of credit for how he's managed that squad. Does he? Well, you know, I suppose you've got to, you've got to, you've got to take it with what he did with that squad before that. But to get them motivated again when we all know he's kind of he's on borrowed time there. I think you've been very kind there because I think he has done the worst job over the last two years of any of the coaches in the top seven. Because Inter have the best squad in in Italy and it's not even close. I suppose so, but he was you know, Lukaku has been out for most of of this season. Sorry? He it it was his real name, Big Rom. Okay, well, big Rom has been out for most of this season. 
Him. <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> him or he. Um, but oh, it's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, it, you know, it, it, you say they've had the best squad, but he's still coming into the, the, the club last season. You know, I think people people who feel that you can just walk into a side that just the won the league. Yeah, but that, that was that was fine margins again. And this is where, you know, they've lost eleven they, they, games in Serie A this season. But yeah, but if they done if they'd done a Milan last year to to lose a title, you know, that's blowing the title. But I think it's not. I I they lost the title to a rubbish Milan team. Like that Milan team were not good. They finished the season excellently. They were defensively brilliant. It wasn't a fantastic team. I think Inzaghi's done not a dreadful job at Inter, but not as well as he should have done. And I think it, it is the right decision for all. Do you think both go? Do you think both go? Pioli and Inzaghi go this summer. Pioli, no, and I don't think he should. Inzaghi, yes, and I think he should. But yeah, and Inter will arguably now clinch Champions League qualification regardless of what happens in, I was going to say in Istanbul, as if it does take place in Istanbul well, after. UEFA have actually come out and said that the the reports that it will be moved is fake news. Okay. Uh, the thing with Inzaghi is difficult because I, I, think, I think I agree with Connor in the sense that I think there is, there is more in this. I think this inter squad could be better than it is, and than it has been Best under his squad own. in Italy. Like, and yes, they've they've done well in cups, and you know he has picked up a, a very healthy and impressive amount of silverware. Um, but you know it's it, it's the league that you know he wants to and should be judged by. Um, and you know, yeah, I just think with a with a better, well, sort of better coach. There is more to get out of this exact group of players without having to break the bank and transfer market. But then they end the season like this. Like, what what, what, what do you do with him? Because can they? They, they is, can't can really they, sack him now. Uh, can they break the way, bank I in the transfer done. window? Uh, Sorry, what, no. what did you say? Uh, so, can they break the bank in the transfer window? They can't, though, can they? That's, that's, that's what I mean. Like, they, they wouldn't need to if, if and, and they could they could still improve the squad just with a coach. But, but some of that, uh, some of that stuff that's been going on you know, around the club is also kind of destabilising, where they, they never know quite which of their 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 best players are going to maybe not be there one day before the end of the transfer. Yeah, it's not window. an easy environment to coach in. But but it, it's also a pretty common environment in, among top clubs in Europe. Now, you, you, you're you not really going to find, you know, it, it's, it's not easy to think of clubs where everything is completely stable, ownership-wise. and in, in terms of the, the environment he's had to work in, I take I, I take the point that it's not easy at Inter, but I think he's had it considerably easier than most of the other teams in the top seven. Like, look what Allegri's had to deal with. Um, Spalletti had to deal with the fans protesting and showing up at training because they were so unhappy before the season started. Um, Roma, and they made him wear a Pornhub cap. They made him wear a Pornhub <laughs> cap. Roma have been a hospital for most of the season, particularly in the second half of the season. They've been without their two big signings and two big players for significant chunks of the campaign. And Mourinho's got to deal with his own inner demons as well at the same time. Mourinho's flawless. Mourinho <laughs> um, <laughs> and Atalanta, just look at their bench any given match day and they've got less than half the number of substitutes as the opposition and their substitutes are nowhere near the calibre of flair as the opposition. Like, 
I think Inzaghi gets a bit of an easy ride when people start saying that Inter's a bit of a a mess. Every everything in Italy is a mess, and Inter are quite good compared to what's going on around them. I think he's the one that's probably the closest to the genuine possibility of the owners just suddenly selling the club and he gets booted out with them. <laughs> yeah. I think he he's the he's the closest to being what like feasibly worried about that because. They could do that. That, that. That's the kind of situation they're in. I'll, I'll throw it back at you. He knew what he was getting into when he ex- accepted the offer to go there. Yeah. There's a reason Conte left. There's a reason that Inter didn't <laughs> have a reputation of being Pat Inter. Like, he didn't go in there expecting it to be Juventus between 2010 and 2019, did he? Like, I he can knew. change them. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I, I don't have sympathy for him. Sorry, Simone. I don't think he's failed at Inter either, by the way. I, I don't want to... Cause it I thought you were going to say, I don't think he's listening. No. <laughs> Definitely listening. Um, it, it doesn't need to be... He, he's been a massive success where he's failed, does it? He's just probably not done as well as he should. And everyone should just say, okay, let's let's try something else. Um, but what that something else is, I don't quite know. Gasparini. Uh, they wouldn't have him. He wouldn't go there. I was going to say, he wouldn't go <laughs> Again, again. Yeah. Yeah. They hate each other now. <laughs> Let's be Pioli honest. Pioli and Zaghi could swap. That'd well, be a laugh. Well, Pioli's already done that. <laughs> yeah, but they all just bop around the big teams, don't they? they just do it again. It'd be funny. That would, as an experiment of how they'd do with either squad, that would actually be really interesting to see. Imagine Mourinho went back. Good lord, <laughs> he'd be he'd be closer to me. No, he needs to stay in Rome because it's perfect. It's perfect. He'd be closer to me. Yeah, he would be. <laughs> be closer to me as well. He and him would be close to me then, unless he leave, unless him leaves. Um, which he probably will, won't he? Right, this has gone too far now. It, it has gone too far. I'm trying to get on to Napoli. Vito, they lost two 0 to Monza. How the fuck did that happen? Like you alluded to earlier in the pod, Napoli are playing like a team already in the on the beach. Uh, they've done what they've needed to do, and because of that, they made uh, Monza look good. And in gen, look in general, <laughs> Monza Monza have had a great season. New team, they've played above themselves, but um, I think the Partenno pay made the Brianzoli look a bit better than what they should have. If there was still something on the line, I don't think. Um, Napoli would have been so casual. Is it just that Napoli had their feet up? Is it is it that simple? Yeah. Oh, uh, that's the most simplistic way to go about it. And also with Luciano Spalletti giving fringe players a chance like Berezinski, Zerbin, and a uh, few others uh, a chance to play, you really tell that you know they're not of the caliber of the players that have really brought them the title like Di Lorenzo and Cavaret Scalia and most of the other players. Only Ozzyman was really starting and that's only because Lautaro starting to break down his neck in the Capo Canoniere race. Can you imagine the sort of mental exhaustion of the last 10 days? You know, thinking that they should have won it at Salernitana and then having, then going to Udinese and actually winning it and then coming back. Well, actually it's probably the last, what, 15 days, 20 days. It is mental I think, I think exhaustion that... your way of saying that they've been on the piss for 10 days. 
Well, yeah, well, yeah. Well, if that's your coping mechanism, it's certainly mine. If I'm stressed, then <laughs> I'm mentally exhausted, Stacey. <laughs> yeah, constantly. Every every Friday and Saturday night. <laughs> so, yeah, and the rest. <laughs> but you know, sometimes I, those fringe players that Vito was talking about, they sort of step up. They want to sort of almost almost feel part of the success. So if they get a couple of wins under their belt, playing with the other players, um, but it clearly didn't happen in Monza. Do you think, you and Burns, that they were just missing a fringe player or a backup player, a squad rotation player of real quality to give Victor Osimhen oh, a rest scraping. up top? Someone who could curl the ball into the bottom corner Someone who could with curl finesse. the ball into the bottom corner with finesse while also being big enough to hold off an entire country at the same time. Who Napoli had... Who could I, be I bet they're really about? annoyed now. Who could, I be, who could I be talking about? Hmm. I'm not talking about him. <laughs> I'm not saying it. Big Andrea Batania's back, <laughs> isn't he? He's back. Scoring goals against his former club, against his former teammates in Pierluigi Golini. That's just, it's just what you love to see, Vito. And the thing was, you know... In the first half, he probably had a good chance to score, but the connection on that initial shot was poor. But uh, the way he made up for it in the second half, he just took it with just such uh, calmness and grace. And once the ball left that left foot, it was just bang. Golini just had little hope of saving that. Yeah. Patania and Grace in the I same I was thinking sentence. that too, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was, there was yeah. a lot of things. Vito made a really good point, like, he just didn't get the connection on a shot. That's the Andrea Batania that I know. And, and yeah, that, that really wasn't one of his normal goals, was <laughs> no, it? No. Well, there he is. He's, he's a man of many talents, Bernsey. He can score any type of goal. Yes. Why are you so disrespectful towards Andrea Batania? Uh, I have no strong feelings about Andrea Batania. <laughs> well, you, cool. you are the one with strong feelings about Andrea Batania. Yeah. Oh, Mark. I don't say, aren't, you, aren't, aren't United <laughs> looking for a central striker? No? He'd, he'd be better than that other fella that they've got. We'd, we'd do that. What's his name? Bobo? What's his real name? Bobo? Uh, yeah. V- you remember Vigors, Messi no? said, Camilas Bobo. What, Vegos? Yeah, that's him. I couldn't think of his <laughs> yeah. name. Given that we had Odi and Agala at one point, the idea of getting Patania on a six-month deal actually doesn't sound very mental. Patania's better than Bobo. Um... Sure. <laughs> I don't care about either player. <laughs> I'm not going to fight the corner of either of them. One of them's known as being a tank, and the other's known as being a bobo, which is like an idiot, isn't it? Is it not a monkey? <laughs> is it? But isn't it's in the. It's a type of monkey, isn't it? Like... A bobo monkey? Boo Boo was Yogi Bear's younger, like. Uh, nephew, wasn't he? Have we got him? Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe that, that was that's probably a cartoon from the eighties. I don't know what that's got to do with anything. Um, speaking nice of coming. idiots. Speaking <laughs> of idiots, guys. Uh, you you Kandreva, you started this idiotic. Antonio Candreva scored a late goal, and the commentator said he's one of the most iconic players in Serie A. It was a pass. Oh, good line. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I, well, me and Alistair McKenzie were debating the other day if every if every Candreva goal is a shot and every 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 shot or every every Candreva cross is a goal, a, yeah. a shot and every shot is a cross. I've been saying this for years, hundred percent true. But that 
goes against it, doesn't it? Because that was a lovely goal. Mm. It was. If you kick it was the ball really well. hard in any direction lots of times, some of them are going to go in the goal, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's how it works. That, that does, this is the one goal he scored this season that that doesn't apply to. He played a lovely little 1-2 with Piontek, and if either of his things were accidentally done, I think it's the pass he plays to Piontek. That was probably a shot. Piontek just got in the way and gave it him back in a better position. But then it was a great strike, and at that time of the game, like it's effectively kept them up. I don't think you can fault what Kendra has done since going to Serenitana. No, I, I got lost for a second and thought you were talking about Monza when you said effectively kept them up. <laughs> that's, that's not at all what's happened. Um, you all right? No, honestly, this is this mm-hmm. has been weird. <laughs> <laughs> I can't speak seriously about Antonio Kandreva now. All right, well, we'll Yogi move on. I'm pleased to move on, but that does kind of end Atalanta's Champions League hopes, and it, it's a serious end for the European hopes as well. Um... Oh, God, Bologna, Roma, Burnsy, we've got to get out of the way. You and you watched this, Kev covered it, so I'm not getting involved. <laughs> it was good, wasn't it, Kev? <laughs> it was... Right, it was I'll, one I'll of the... interject if you just lie. <laughs> it was one of the worst games of football I think I've seen. <laughs> Look at what? his face and, when and he actually, says that as well. You know what well, he means. Well, no... Yeah, because I, I sort of sat and I, I you know, I was, I was talking before we came, uh, we came on. I fell asleep. Yeah, it's ruined my evening because I wasn't Do feeling the report, folks. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, but I wasn't feeling lethargic before I sat down and watched it. I was, I, I felt a little underwhelmed when I saw the team because, of what, you know, Roma really are putting all they their don't eggs have any in players the fit. No, yeah, but another one the, got injured. They <laughs> yeah, but... literally don't have any fit players. Zaki Jellic got injured. Right, look, <laughs> he's, they're back three. But he still they played a really, Ryan really. Ryan Cristante and Chellic, neither of those are centre backs. Yeah, but he could have played Patricio. You know, there was there was, was a couple of notable absentees he's, there that he's shit. Yeah, but he's not an eighteen-year-old debutant, or I think he was eighteen. But anyway, he's a debutant. But yeah, it it ruined my evening because then I couldn't stay awake <laughs> through Juve. I was struggling. Oh, I was literally. I was. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It's like. Stay, stay said to me, are you all right? And I went, I don't know why I'm so tired. I said, this has absolutely wiped me out. And nothing's happened. It's nothing's happened and I am shattered. You, I'm like, what I, has this done to me? It's killed me. I'm convinced that this game lasted four hours. Because I swear, like I swear it was half an hour in when I started watching the Primavera Femenile final between Juventus and Roma. That played out. And then there was still half an hour left of Roma. I think that finished. <laughs> the, I think that finished. Mourinho, Mourinho picked some of the kids and played them in this game. <laughs> he went and got some more. No, from, you know, I know that didn't happen. Himself. Because the, the Feminina Primavera team had a lot of... Oh, it's a Femina. They had a lot of flair about them. Yeah. Although Mourinho was going on recently about how he wanted... It was Karina Venninger, wasn't it, Burnsy? He saw her play against Juve and he was like, can we have her? Can I have that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be his ultimate insult to Carl's door. He'd sort of drop him for somebody, you know. Yeah, I mean, if if we use the analogy that managers pick kids in the team to make a point to the owners that they need players, that, that the, the the real power it would be to pick somebody from the women's team to play in the men's team. That's the that's really big and important. Team, that's that's what you want to do. <laughs> that is what you want to do. Although we will talk about that a little bit. It won't be the focus of the women's football pop Burnsy, but we will talk about it because a couple of the first team players played and mm. Zara Kramsar was one of them. 
Nina Kajba was another. She's not a regular, but she's been there. Roma look a little bit scary. Kev, can I can I ask a question while we're when we've naturally come over to women's football? Nervous when you do this, but yes, of course. Well, it was it's part my question, it's part Stacey's question. Who are you asking? So, uh, either of either of the three of you, either of the three of you, any of the three of you. But there was, there, you know, we've seen female referees in Syria, and I wondered if there are a any male referees uh, refereeing the women's games, and whether they actually all come from one pot. Which Stace just said, is there like fifty referees, and they go, okay, you, you, you ten are doing Syria, and it doesn't matter, you ten are doing whatever, and do they structure like the pyramid and go, then the next best ten do the Serie B, next best 10, do the Serie A Femenile. I don't know how they correspond to one another, but there is a ranking system of referees. The Serie A Femenile referees do not do Serie A men's games, and the oh, okay. Serie A Femenile referees are up there with the worst I've ever seen in my life. Thank Genuine, you. I can go and, Genuinely I can go, dreadful. I can go and wake her up after this and tell her the news. There you go. <laughs> um... We've started talking about Serie A for Manila, Brunzi, and now I'm sad about Matilda Pavan again, and I don't want to be sad about <laughs> Matilda Pavan, so let's move it swiftly on away from this game. What else do we need to talk about? Juventus, did we do that yet? They did a professional job wearing their new kit. Nicola Fagioli and Gleison Bremer scored to give them a 2-0 win over Cremonese. Brunzi, you did this one? I did, yes. Um, it was quite sad. The, 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 the main thing of the oh, game was another popular. sad injury. It, look, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And I know Popper is a, a sort of point of ridicule, ridicule, generally speaking, in the football world, more so England than Italy. But um, he started first time since, I believe it was April 2022, I read, that he started a game. First and was it, up, was it seven years. Yeah, since 2016. Um, and he... Yeah, nothing overly clear cut got like created in the time he was on the pitch. He was only on the pitch for twenty four minutes, um, but everything they it was all Juve and everything they did went through him, um, and it all looked quite interesting because um, you had that little cluster sort of in that left channel, which was Vlavic, Chiesa, and Pogba. Which you know, on on the day, that's three brilliant footballers, yeah. um, and it all looked quite promising. They were finding each other quite well. Um, all that was really missing was a goal. And then he put a cross in, pulled up, and basically was in immediate lots of tears. Um, got taken off. They reckon he's done like another muscle injury. I don't. I imagine we won't see him again this season. So it's not um, a recurrence of the other one then, though? Uh, it's not really clear yet. Cause I think he seems to have had about four different ones since the knee surgery. Cause yeah, that's how he's a knee. Would, that, uh... would I not be right in saying that, like, it makes sense, right, that if, if you've had knee surgery and been out that long, it makes sense for other muscle areas to, as well. yeah, yeah, to be overly impacted and that's why you get these recurring of injuries. Course it does. And very often when you see players come back from not just long-term injury absences, but several long-term injury absences in a short period of time, they do get these other little niggly injuries. And a lot of the time the, the tears can be deceptive because you see tears and you think the worst, right? A lot of the time it's just frustration. Yeah. They think, yeah, because yeah, he's trying to get back into it. For fuck's sake, here we go again. And he's probably thinking in that moment, that's this season over, which means I'm not going to play regularly until September. So you can understand the frustration. I think a lot of people are going way too over the top with uh, assuming the, the worst, which unfortunately on Twitter people always do. Um, let's just 
hope that Pogba can can get back. And I think the best thing for him now is actually probably to to not play again this season, get back in pre-season and, and have a proper run-up. Yeah, well, there's no tournament to bother with. Yeah. He can just, the summer can be his to um, get fit, basically. Let's hope so. Let's hope so, because we do very much want to see him back. Um, Burnsy, like, I'm getting sad again thinking about Pavan, because all of the things I'm saying about Pogba are not true of her. Um, so please move us on. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> Um, Vito, do you want to go make a coffee? <laughs> <laughs> I will. I'm about to fall asleep again. Uh, what Who else have we not talked? Lazio drew. Right. Funny, after what Alistair was saying on the Europod about the, the raucous atmosphere they're going to create at the Olympic, <laughs> and then they drew with Lecce. Um, apart from that, I think they, that's probably they, it, isn't it? They must be so happy, though, after how everything... Because they played first, and you thought, this is... You yeah. know, oh, they've they screwed it up. This is an ideal opportunity for all the others, and then the others go and shit the bed, and it's like, am oh, I well losing my head? Or does does at least do at least three of the European chasing teams slip up every week now? Feels like it. Uh, like nobody wants to get into the Champions well, League. This is the point I was actually going to brief him. When we talk about Milan being you know, bad champions, all that. The the thing is, it's not just that they're fifth. It's the fact that they're fifth in the season where, like, the <laughs> level among the top teams beneath Napoli is bad. Like they're most of them are worse than last season, probably, um, or certainly not much better at all. So that makes it even worse from a Milan perspective. I've just dreamed up a theory that oh, maybe no. the oh. the Italian yeah, the Italian side said, dreamed. I got worried again. No, well, have these Italian sides seen how Roma won the Conference League last season? How how good the Italian teams are going in the Europa Conference and the Europa League this season? And they're thinking. The you know Real Madrid and the British sides are too too financially powerful for us in the Champions League. So actually, let's all not get in the Champions League this season because then we can have a really good run at a, a trophy next season. So they're also they're all fighting now. The real race is fifth, fifth and sixth. You know maybe that's what we're missing. So they're all trying you know. to big brain it. That's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all they're all they're all trying to outdo each other to so, finish fifth or sixth. So me fifth and, or and Atalanta are big braining this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. They they're they're a step ahead. They're a step ahead. <laughs> up up the coefficient points as well, you know. So they're going to yeah. get a run at Europa League while you, they, Inter, and Lazio all get booted out in the group stage of the Champions League. <laughs> exactly, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lazio and you, they'll be out in the group stage next year. Although, if you really big, big brain it, you get to the group stage, you get the money from the cash from the group stage mm, Champions League, you, you drop down into the... the Europa League, and then you get a run at the trophy. See, but then you got to do the knockout round. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, like, well, it's an extra cut of their games of revenue, but there you go. Yeah, Maybe Europa League revenue doesn't count. <laughs> it's pennies. I, I need to, I need to fire some emails off to Italian clubs and give them my. They've got, they, they've got enough <laughs> on their plates, Kev. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, for, particularly one of those clubs that you'd be sending that email to, they've got plenty on. Um, what are the other results? Verona nil, Torino one, Fiorentina two, Udinese nil. <laughs> what are you laughing at? It's just, it's just the idea of, okay, I can just picture Juventus's email inbox. Why did you have to name the club? Why did you have to name the club? Because <laughs> it's blatantly obvious which one you're talking about. All the, they must have had so many important emails and there'd just be one from Kev, all in lowercase. Oh, I've got an idea. <laughs> I have a theory. He'd have written his own name it in lowercase. You know, the kind of stuff he'd say in is the kind of language that would trigger something to flag up and be like, 
That doesn't look quite right. Suspicious. Can we can we have a look at some more of your emails, please, guys? You may have received cool. an email from an idiot. That looks a bit dodgy. Um, I think we can leave it there, can we? Yes. Yeah, it feels like we should. We, it feels like we should. I, I don't think it's been mentioned on the podcast, but Frozenone and Genoa have had their promotions to setting up. Oh, we've mentioned Genoa. <laughs> we mentioned Genoa, not Frozenone though, and Frozenone did it first. Uh, Parma confirmed in the. Serie B playoffs, we'll probably do a, a thing on total-italianfootball.com in the coming maybe days, maybe by next weekend to kind of let you know what's happening there. There is still a match day to play before the playoffs kick off. So after that match day has been played, we'll give you a bit of a rundown on who's playing in the playoffs. But Bari, Sudtirol, like it, look, it's going to be fun. There's, there's going to be a fun team coming up to Serie A again next hmm. season, unless it's Cagliari. <laughs> I think we're all on board the anybody but Cagliari train at this point. Um, Burnsy, we will be back with the Women's Football Podcast. Good fucking God did they, Parma put me through the mill today and I don't support them, <laughs> but I left the Tardini fuming. Um, Do you want to plug your interview, even though this is the men's yes. people? I got to spoke to the, the lovely... I got to spoke... <laughs> Whatever I'll do is catching. <laughs> I got to speak to the to the lovely Sophie Roman Hauk during the week. I was down in Rome and I was invited along to the training centre to have a chat. And she is just an absolute bundle of joy. And I messaged you after Bernsey and said she's lovely. And you were like, you'd expect nothing less. But it's so true, isn't it? You you just you get that vibe off her. And she was excellent and she spoke really well. And what I liked the most about speaking to her was how it's so clear that not just she, but the whole of Roma have this perfect mix of like absolute humility, but sheer confidence and awareness of just how good they are as well. There was a lot of talk about the the title race. We spoke a little bit, although I don't think this is in the article about the, the, the flag incident with her compatriot Emily Hove. And the upcoming Coppa Italia Femminile final against Juventus, who basically, along with Roma, are just in their own league in Italian women's football. So that's going to be a belter. That's going to be in Salerno as well in June, um, which, as a Norwegian, not looking forward to too much because it's going to be hot. But do head over and read that, total-italianfootball.com. There's a women's football section you'll see out on the top. Click on it and it, it should be the top thing there. We'll be back with that podcast. We'll be back with the Euro show as well. After the second leg of the Champions League, we'll probably have to work something again with the Europa League semis and the Conference League semis. But we'll, we will be back. And this week actually allows for organisation. So we will have the Serie A preview pod before next week's match day as well. Because last week was just a little bit too hectic to get everything done. So all of that extra content is available on patreon.com slash football. Otherwise, we will be back again after next week's Serie A action, but you're going to miss out on so, so much chat if you don't sign up there. You can sign up for as little as €2 a month. There's also 5 and €10 tiers available too. Say goodbye, everybody, all at the same time. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.